Welcome to The Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective with your host, Joel Sedeckes. And now, get ready to think. All right, welcome to The Think Podcast, the show where we tackle impossible questions from a biblical perspective to help you explain, share, and defend the Christian message. Very quick episode tonight. I want to talk about motivation. So let's get the necessary chirons up in the screen. We're talking about what is motivating your apologetic. What is causing you internally to desire to defend your faith? And the reason why we have to address this, I guess I can take my headphones off. The reason why we have to address this is because the way that you're motivated what you allow to stir your passion for apologetics is going to affect how you do apologetics. And I want to talk about one sin that, if left unchecked, will um, will negatively affect your apologetic in uh, in one of two very dangerous ways. Looks like we've got a viewer. Slam RN says, hi, Think Institute. Hi, how are you? Thanks for watching. So we're going to talk about what's motivating your apologetic, and I want to pull up a Bible passage. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17, and I am going to put it up on the screen here if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening later uh, to the audio podcast, thank you for listening, and if I could ask you a huge favor. We want to get the word out about the Think Podcast and the Think Institute Network. And the best way for us to do that right now is through folks like you giving us an honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and um, just telling others, you know, leaving a public note about how much the Think Institute podcast and network means to you and uh, if it's helpful. So that really does help us out, helps us get the word out. If you're watching on YouTube, can I ask that you subscribe? And uh, hit that bell so that you never miss an episode. Um, we think we're creating some pretty good, pretty helpful content here, and we want to help get the, the word out, and you can help us do that. So if you're just joining us, we're talking about what is motivating your apologetic. And one sin to avoid in your motivation, in, uh, in your heart, that if left unchecked, will take you off in one of two very negative directions. All right, so let's pull the the passage up here. We are looking at 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 13 through 17. Within this passage, the apostle Peter is writing to believers everywhere, all believers everywhere. If you go back to chapter 1 of 1 Peter, you see that he's talking to all Christians everywhere. This is not just for a select group of Christians. The reason why I bring that up is this. Sometimes when we think about apologetics, because it's a long word, big word, people think that it doesn't apply to them. You know, love your neighbor is simple sounding. It's not actually simple in practice. Apologetics sounds hard, and so we think that it is hard or it is impossible or it's only for elite Christians. But the Apostle Peter is writing to all Christians everywhere, and that means that in this passage where he addresses the discipline of defending the truth of the Christian message, i.e. apologetics, he's writing to you. He's writing to believers. So I bring that up so that you will recognize that this is this is for you. 
uh, not just for the quote-unquote elite Christians or theologically or philosophically minded Christians. All right, so um, let's go ahead and get into it. First Peter 3, 13 through 17. Like I said, going to be a very short episode today, unless we get a bunch of questions that come in, which sometimes does happen. Here's what it says. Now, I'm reading from the HCSB, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which I've started really liking a lot more lately. I used to love it, then I switched over to the CSB. Now I'm going kind of back to the HCSB. But I've also got the Lexham English Bible pulled up here as well, uh, which is just a really good literal translation. It's a little clunky at times, a little um, it's a little too transparent, quite honestly. But um, just because the the word for word rendering isn't doesn't always make as much sense in English, but uh, still. In terms of accuracy, it's great. All right. Verse 13, 1 Peter chapter 3. And who will harm you if you are deeply committed to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not, get this, do not fear what they fear or be disturbed, but honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Okay, then he continues on. We'll talk about the rest of this passage another time. But let me just read it to you in the in the LEB, the Lexham English Bible. There's a there's some subtle differences that are going to be important later on. Here's what it says, verse 13. And who is the one who will harm you if you are a zealous adherent for what is good? But even if you might suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And now here, here we go. Now we're getting into the topic of, of motivation. And do not be afraid of their intimidation or be disturbed, but set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts, always ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you for an accounting concerning the hope that is in you. All right. So there's portions of each of these translations that I like better, but what I really like in the LEB, the one that I just read, is how it says, do not be afraid of their intimidation or be disturbed. Now, in scripture, fear is a is both an emotion but it can also be a decision. Fear when it is allowed to fester, when it is allowed to bear fruit, negative fruit in in the life of a person is actually sinful. It turns into cowardice. And actually in the book of Revelation, it talks about the the heavenly city of the new Jerusalem. And and it lists a bunch of groups of people who are excluded. And no, they're not excluded based on uh, the color of their skin or their social status or their wealth or anything like that. But you know what they're excluded based on? Sin. See, if you haven't had your sins paid for by Jesus Christ, if you haven't confessed your sin to him, if you haven't repented of your sin and acknowledged that he is Lord and that he died on the cross for sinners like you and me and that God raised him from the dead, then your sin is unpaid for. And you're still in your sin. You're still clinging to your sin. What sin? Sin is disobeying God. So one of the groups that's mentioned in Revelation as being excluded from the the heavenly city is cowards. Those who have allowed fear to dominate their life. Fear, when it is allowed to fester and take root in your life, turns into cowardice, which is sin. Because if you're if you're cowardly, you're not trusting in God. You're you're afraid. And one of the way, one of the major fears that Christian apologists or any Christian that is going to be engaging in, in apologetics and the defense of their faith is prone to fall into is fear, particularly fear of man. 
one of the major sins of apologists is fear of man. And I've seen this in my own heart. I still have to check myself for this. Now, so so fear must not motivate your um, your apologetic. And this is absolutely vital because the fear of man lays a snare, according to Proverbs 29, 25. And a defense that is based in fear leads off, like I said, in one of two directions. It leads to arrogance or it leads to flattery. Now, here's why it might lead to arrogance. If I am motivated by fear in my apologetic, then um, I am afraid Here's how this plays out. I'm afraid that my discussion partner, my opponent, my non-believing cousin or uncle or coworker is going to think of me as an idiot. I'm going to be seen as a dum-dum for believing that God raised a man named Jesus Christ from the dead 2,000 years ago and that that man is currently reigning over heaven and earth. So if I'm afraid of of looking like an idiot and... um. And that's my my biggest fear. That's that becomes an idol in my heart. Remember, we're talking about sinful fear here. Then one of the things I might do is I might try to absolutely overpower my unbelieving discussion partner with my incredible intellect. And if I'm really afraid of this person or their their opinion of me or or them getting one one up on me, you know, uh, looking if them making if I'm afraid of them making me look foolish in public, then I might try to destroy this person with my argumentation. I might try to absolutely blow them out of the water to, to, to light them up and um, to make sure that they never dare question my unbelievable intellect again. Okay. I'm, I'm talking like a sinful person, right? This sounds sinful, doesn't it? It's because fear leads to some very sinful directions. So what am I doing at this point is I'm demonizing my discussion partner. I'm treating him or treating her as if they are a demon to be destroyed. But if I'm demonizing someone, I'm not loving them. I'm not hoping for the best. I'm not, I'm not um, caring for this person's soul, and I, and I'm not I'm not motivated properly. I'm motivated by fear, which is sinful, and that's going to come out in my conversation. The other harmful direction that fear might lead me in is that of flattery. So on the one hand, I want to destroy my opponent. On the other hand, I want to flatter my opponent. Remember, if I'm motivated by fear of man, then the worst thing that could happen to me is this person, this discussion partner, this unbeliever, my opponent, views me as an idiot. And so instead of destroying the person, now what I'm going to do is flatter them. I'm going to say, oh, you're uh, Mr. Atheist, Mr. Muslim, Mr. Mormon. You are uh, clearly very intellectual. You are clearly intelligent. And you have uh you 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 have such uh you you've studied so much and clearly you're an, uh, an impartial wise person who wants to just weigh the evidence and come to a conclusion based on your your critical thinking skills what am i doing here my fear of man has overridden my fear of god and my belief in god's word because God's word in Romans 1 tells me that my unbelieving friend is actually suppressing the truth, that they're not neutral, that they're not um, thinking um, with, uh, with, with their truth-seeking faculties aimed at truth. Instead, according to scripture, their foolish hearts are darkened. Now, is that an insult? Am I calling them intellectually stupid? No, of course not. But rebellion against God, which, but for the grace of God, there go you and I, that's where you and I were. And and oftentimes, all too often, that's where we go. Um, we we sin every day. 
But but um, rebellion against God is a moral position. And so if I'm trying to flatter my unbelieving friend, then I'm trying to I'm essentially putting him or her in the judge's seat instead of God. Instead of presenting the gospel that Jesus is Lord, I'm implicitly teaching a gospel, a false gospel, that my unbelieving friend is Lord and he's the judge and God is in the dock. God is on trial, which is not true. Jesus was already on trial and he was crucified. And uh, well, that's what we're celebrating this week, this Holy Week. It's Holy Week as I record this. So, Fear will lead you in one of two directions, uh, absolute uh, f- uh, flattery or arrogance, and neither one is good. What must motivate our apologetics instead of fear? Well, let's pull scripture back up again, and let's see what it says. Here's what it says. But, verse 15, but honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. That's the HCSB and the LEB. It says, but set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts. And then it says, always ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you for an accounting or defense. Um, a, a defense is in the original Greek, it's apologia. It's where we get our word apologetics from. If you've watched my program, you've, you know that that's where we get apologetics from. So. Before Peter tells us and gives us the charter verse for apologetics, he says, rather than fearing the intimidation of the unbeliever, rather than fearing man, set Christ apart as Lord. The the verb there is uh, holify, hallow. Holify is probably not a word, but to revere as holy, to set apart as holy, to sanctify the, the Lord Christ in your heart to sanctify him as Lord. So rather than fear of man, we're supposed to be motivated by fear of Christ, by the fear of the Lord, which by the way, Proverbs 1.7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9.10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if we want to be wise and knowledgeable in our apologetic, we need to make sure that we are motivated, that we are entering into the apologetic encounter with a desire to sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ, to set him apart as Lord in our hearts. And it's in our heart, it's in the seat of our will, of our our very being, our life is revolving around uh, this, this desire to sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we do that, then now we can give a reasoned defense, an apologia for our, um, for our hope, for our faith in Jesus Christ. So what's motivating your apologetic? When you, if you're someone who enjoys apologetics, whether you're a presupper like me, an evidentialist like Dean Meadows, who I had on the program yesterday, uh, if you're a classicalist, reformed epistemologist, or sort of a cumulative case kind of guy or gal, what motivates your apologetic? If you're honest with yourself, and go ahead and, and leave a, a comment. I'd like to know, what, what do you find is is driving you? What causes you to want to defend your faith? Because those of us who are really into apologetics, we're kind of a rare breed, aren't we? We're kind of weird in a lot of ways. And um, I'm not going to say apologetics is like a hobby because we're commanded to do it. It's, you know, collecting stamps is a hobby. Uh, Sharing your faith, defending your faith, this is discipleship. This is spiritual discipline. But 
nevertheless, those who are really into it typically have some kind of motivation for it. Uh, so what's your motivation? And, um, and I, I just want to encourage you to put Christ in your heart as Lord, as your motivation. That's really all I have for you. I, I don't, we didn't have any comments come in. So, uh, other than just, um, uh, slam RN. Um, but oh, looks like we got one comment. All right, let's see. Uh, Noah is saying, Noah Despain is saying, originally it was because I was getting demolished by atheists and I didn't know what I believed anymore. Now it's to help me better share the gospel. Man, thanks for sharing that, Noah. Yeah, I hear that. You know, and I can relate to that too. Actually, um, I, I just, um, finished a book called Can We Trust the Bible by R.C. Sproul, very little book. And I've got a book by James White called Scripture Alone. And I got another book by the late um, Nabil Qureshi called uh, One God Only or uh, No God But One. And uh, the reason I got those books is because I was being challenged by a Muslim apologist in Twitter, I don't know, last week sometime. And I realized that um, to effectively interact with Muslims, because I do a lot of interaction with the woke, with atheists, and I've had some interaction with Muslims years ago, more more so with Mormons, um, Roman Catholics to a certain degree. But uh, to interact with Muslims, I need to really hone my skill. I need to practice. I need to study. So interactions with unbelievers can be a powerful motivator. And I, but I love how you said, now it's to help me better share the gospel. And that is exactly right. That must be our end game. That must be our goal. Our, our goal is really, we haven't talked about our goal in this one, in this episode, but uh, our motivation has to be the lordship of Christ, which is one side of the gospel, um, the, the objective, objective lordship of Christ. But then our, uh, that's our motivation. Our goal is is we want to silence the unbeliever, actually to shame the unbeliever for accusing us of all kinds of wrongdoing, as Peter's going to go on to explain in this passage. But ultimately, according to 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, our hope is that God might grant the unbeliever repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. And um, that only comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So love it, brother. Um, let me know how you're your studies are going. Let me know how your process is going. And um, hopefully we can, we can help you along on that, on that journey. So speaking of journeys, um, this is not goodbye. This has just been a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. I want to just invite you, if you haven't done so yet, to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you hit that bell so you never miss a moment. And if you're watching on Facebook, like our Facebook page and and uh, things have been a little screwy on Facebook lately. We've kind of stagnated there. I don't know if Facebook is doing something, if they're if they're suppressing or if they their algorithms are changing. I don't know, but we're stagnating. Uh, thankfully, YouTube continues to grow. It's growing rather slowly right now, but um, you know we trust the Lord's sovereignty, <laughs> and uh, and that's the pillow that I sleep on at night, as Charles Spurgeon says. The pillow I lay my head on at night is God's sovereignty. Um, uh, oh, we got one more comment that came in. Look, this always happens as I'm wrapping up. Okay, Slam RN says, originally I was looking for the truth about whether Christianity was true. Later, it was so I could interact and share my faith. Very cool, Slam RN. I wonder, uh, did apologetics have an impact on you in that process? 
was there a particular apologist or someone who um who who was there a convincing argument was there a passage in scripture that um you know that that convinced you or or how did that work for you how did that happen and uh and slam rn also made the comment fb is always doing something i think they shadow ban like twitter does you know uh, i trust mark zuckerberg is about about as far as i can throw him but i view facebook kind of like the roman roads you know built by pagans but useful for spreading the gospel far and wide so yeah that wouldn't surprise me i'm not accusing him i don't know you know let let uh two or three witnesses uh be brought forward as scripture says, but, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but pray for Mark Zuckerberg, pray for Jack Dorsey. Um, these tech Titans have a lot of influence in culture and, and in society. And speaking of tech, if you want to reach out to me, you can do so by sending me an email at the think.institute at gmail.com. Let's see if I can find that. Here we go. The think.institute at gmail.com. Shoot me an inquiry and, um, or a question or uh, whatever, I'll, I'll be happy to, to respond all in good time or however long it takes me to get back to you. Uh, but I do try to respond rather timely. And Slam RN, you say that the reasons to believe was the ministry that early on convinced me. It answered all my scientific objections. Very cool. Um, reasons to believe is an excellent ministry. And uh, if only I could see old earth creationism in scripture, I would be totally on board with that organization, but Hugh Ross is brilliant, and um, and, and they do some really fascinating work over there. Uh, I'm I'm a young Earth creationist myself, although young Earth is kind of a misnomer because Earth is the oldest thing out there. It's not like it's younger than anything else because everything was created in one week. But but yeah, reasons to believe I think is a is a, a very fascinating, compelling ministry, even if I don't agree with everything they say. All right. So I think that about wraps it up. Subscribe, shoot me an email if you want to. Uh, let me also say, if you're interested in starting a cohort with our Hammer and Anvil Society, which is the semi-secretive discipleship wing of the Think Institute, we're going to be starting up cohorts again very soon. We're wrapping up one right now. I've been talking with some other brothers about facilitating some, and I'm actually going to start changing my approach on that. I'll be announcing that pretty soon. But we're going to schedule our cohorts uh, to take some of the burden off of our facilitators. I'm just going to end up doing uh, more of the facilitation, or maybe my wife, Elisa, will. But basically what we're going to do is we're going to schedule cohorts to run at certain times, and then whoever can and wants to join in can can simply do so. But we're going to be running study cohorts, um, which are essentially virtual or in-person classes, really, uh, courses on the biblical worldview, Bible study, uh, biblical interpretation, rather, biblical study, and um, apologetics and evangelism all you know, throughout the rest of the year. So if that interests you, shoot me an email, thethink.institute, or you can go to thethink.institute slash hammer and anvil for more information. You can actually sign up right there. So go ahead and check that out. All right. That's about all I have for you today. I did say this was going to be a short episode. It's been 23 minutes so far. So uh, it's getting closer to the longer side of things. So I need to let you all go and, um, uh, 
Let's see. Man, the comments always come in right before I wrap up. Okay. Noah says, what's the cost? Good question. Right now they are free. What I typically say is, um, what some, what some people will do is, um, They'll participate, and then if they decide they want to become a ministry partner, oh, I actually forgot to mention this. If they want to become a ministry partner with my family and me, they can they can do that. And um, the way that you become a supporter of the Think Institute is simply by going to give.crew, C-R-U, dot org slash 1018841. And not everybody who comes and who joins a cohort ends up becoming a, a financial backer of the ministry, but we are missionaries. And so this is literally how I can put food on the table. I do this full time. I'm a, a, a Christian theological, I'm a, a, a educator, theologian, apologist. This is what I do full time, which is pretty amazing that I get to do this. Um, but we're working hard trying to create this content and, and um, equip believers to explain, share, and defend their faith. And so we are supported by like-minded individuals and churches who partner with us. And so because we're supported on the back end, I'm able to offer this training for free. Um, That's how we're doing it right now. I am working on moving more toward a model where those who are directly blessed by the ministry um, help support the ministry. I think that's biblical. I think both methods are biblical, being supported on the back end and being sent and also being supported on the front end by those who are benefiting from the ministry. But we also know that not everybody can do that all the time. And so we're very, very grateful to the Lord and to our incredible partners who have partnered with us over these last, um, going on three years now since we joined Crew, and two years, a little over two years since we started the Think Institute. All right. So, Noah, I hope that answers your question. The cohorts are free. <laughs> That's a, a long, long-winded way of saying the cohorts are free. Okay. Any other questions before we go? All right. Well, until next time, then, I hope it made you think.